Go ahead and take a seat. <clears throat> so it's interesting when we made the decision to, uh, to roll with a Friday night Easter service, I did have, like, even, even my kids are asking, Dad, can we actually do that? Are you allowed to, like, do Easter Sunday on Friday night? Is that, is that I, I checked. I checked in here. It's cool. We're okay to do that. It's all good. Here's something that I love. Here's, here's what I love. I love that, I mean, a lot of people would say, hey, I know for you Christians that, that Easter's kind of like your Super Bowl Sunday, but I would say this, I would say this, I love it that it's not just set to one Sunday a year, um, that, that every day we get to celebrate this. So, so if it's a Friday night, we're going to celebrate a risen Savior. Is it Sunday? We'll do it too. Is it Tuesday afternoon? Then I want to celebrate then as well. So praise God that we can gather like this, that we can celebrate, that we can lift high the name of Jesus, that we can, we can, we can remember what sets us free for new life. I mean, for a year now, we've been talking so much about how COVID has changed everything, right? We, we can't go to the movies anymore. No more hanging out with a huge group of friends over at the house. No, no more going out with, as a big group to a restaurant. And then just yesterday, we get the news again of another shift, another change, another lockdown. You're thinking, man, here we go again. Here's another wave, another shift, another, another shutting things down to flatten another curve. And, and in the midst of all of this, we, we can wrestle with a ton of emotions, some people will, in the midst of this, you'll struggle with fear, fear of, of getting sick, fear of what, what, a, what a COVID could do, and, and now that younger people are getting sick and dying, and now that the, the new variants can be more contagious, people can be gripped by fear in this season. Some people wrestling with the loss of hope. Like, will this ever change? Will we ever have normal again? And, and when we do have normal, if, if things do come back, people are, are wondering, man, man will, will my family recover from this? Will our country recover from this? How many years, generations will it take to pay for all that we've been paying for? And some people are wrestling with, with a loss of control. I mean, if you, if you like to be in control, this is a very frustrating season to be in, right? And, and you kind of feel like, man, I'm losing my mind in all of this. No one can tell me to wear a mask. What do you mean the government's going to restrict me? I even got some funny texts. As, as, as the announcement was coming out, I would get texts from people saying, hey, Pastor Kai, we're praying for you. When this announcement comes out, man, we got your back. And, and then the announcement comes out. We move our Sunday Easter service to tonight while we figure out what we're going to do the rest of Sundays. And now the texts, we're like, okay, well, um, I don't really have your back on this one. In fact, I'm not even sure I'm going to pray for you, right? Nobody actually said that, but that, that's kind of the idea, right? You're like, man, what a wicked church. No, no, but that's the thought. That it's, it's hard when things don't actually go your way, right? And many of us struggle with that, struggle with control. Maybe you're like, I'm not really controlling. I'm just aggressively helpful. <laughs> I think we actually overestimate, though, what our ability to control really is. How much is actually not in our hands? And something like this season, what it does is it doesn't remove control. It actually just shines the light more brightly on the illusion of control that we have. And now, now we realize more and more that it just takes a, a little shift in our world to reveal how weak we actually are, how little control we actually have. And it's hard. But listen, you don't always have the power to control, but you do always have the power to surrender to the one who has ultimate control. So I'd ask this, where has this year revealed some of those areas in your life where, where God is saying, hey, surrender that to me. Let me have that. I've got this and I've got a plan for you and it's a plan that you, you don't know about, but it's a plan I have. What are those areas where, where you would feel that God's been pressing on you, where this season has been revealing this in you, where, where you would say, maybe it's a health issue. 
Like, you know what, I've just been holding on to this and struggling with this, and, and, and God's saying, just give that to me. Maybe it's a relationship struggle. Maybe it's how school is in this season. Maybe it's how your work has gone or lack of work. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's even just losing some of your freedoms. My hope is this, that maybe this Easter weekend, maybe tonight is a, another opportunity for us to, to lay things down, to remember Again, that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And, and that event, what Christ did, that actually changed everything. And tonight, another opportunity to surrender to that truth. Because again, listen, God, God can do more through your surrender than he can through your control. And it's so evident in the truth and the hope of Easter. And my prayer is this, that, that Easter for you this weekend, that it would be a message of hope if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling discouraged. A, a message of hope if you're somebody grasping for control and feeling the loss of it. Because here's the reality of Easter. Here's what I love about Easter. We know the end of the story. So we get to the end, we go, it's victory, it's a win. But, but how Easter started, it seemed like everything was out of control. I mean, Jesus, the, the one who was supposed to bring new life, is dead. And, and he didn't just die. He, he died a shameful death. It's, it's a crucifixion, and, and crucifixion was only reserved for the worst of criminals. Because why? You were stripped naked. You, you died by inches. Everybody watched over the hours and days as you suffered and died. Nobody would look at Jesus in that moment as he's on the cross and go, that's the blessed life he was talking about. I'm sure glad I'm following him. The cross represented everything wrong. It symbolized shame and hostility. It, it, it represented weakness and defeat. It was a, a symbol of absolute, total humiliation. But our hope starts there. You see, when you read through Scripture, you see that Jesus was pointing to that very event, saying, this is the center of my plan. When you read through Scripture, all of history pointing to this one event, pointing to this one moment. Why? Because it's on that Easter weekend that everything changed for us. Where Jesus literally defeated darkness to bring you into the light of his grace. In fact, when you read through the Gospels, the, the Gospel writers who are talking about the account of the crucifixion say that, that when Christ died, the, the sky actually went black. It was dark from noon to 3 p.m. Why? Why? What's going on? Why, why the darkness? Because, listen, when you read through Scripture, you see that darkness always has this representative, uh, it, it, it shows the judgment and the wrath of God. So when you see darkness in Scripture, you think wrath, judgment. So, so this wasn't just Christ dying on the cross. It was not just death. It was actually a punishment. It was divine judgment going on. Jesus hanging on a cross under the judgment of God, paying for my sin and your sin. And in that darkness, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's in that cry we, we see again that this wasn't just death. This was punishment. Because you can focus so much on the, the gory details of the crucifixion and the pain that it would have been. But you notice what Jesus was not crying out as he's hanging on the cross. He wasn't crying out, my head, my head, my, my hands, my feet, my, my side. He's crying out, my God. He's not crying out about the fact that all his closest friends have deserted him. 
what Jesus lost was the love and the presence of God, the Father, that God, the Father in that moment, abandoning God the Son, this, this eternal and horrible punishment of the cross. Because listen, everyone here in this room, you and I, we were created for a relationship with God, for, for His presence. And when we reject God, when, when our sin, our rebellion, we're separated from God, and listen, if, if you stay separated from God, if, if in your sin, if you say, I want nothing to do with you, God, listen, you're removed from His presence. That's hell. And, and on the cross, Jesus taking that punishment as though he'd rejected God, taking our sin as though he now is separated from God. Why? So that all those who would put their trust, their hope, their life in, in him, he's experiencing the pain, the rejection that our sin would experience. I mean, that's the amazing truth of Easter. That Jesus takes our punishment for our sin. Every lie, every hateful thought, every action, every angry word, every selfish motive, there in the cross, Jesus takes all that weight. Abandoned so we wouldn't have to be. Jesus immersed in darkness so we wouldn't have to. Now, why would Jesus do that? Why, why would he go through all of that? Here's the answer from God's word, the, the clear answer. Why would Jesus do that? It's simple. It's for you. I mean, think about it, that, that Jesus took the darkness for you. That when, when you grab a hold of the reality of Easter, when, when you see who Jesus was, when, when you embrace him as the treasure of your life, that you can say that, that he took the darkness for me. He took the darkness of my sin. He took the darkness of my shame. He took my failures. I mean, you think about one of his closest friends, Peter. And Peter, remember at the Last Supper, they're gathered around and Jesus is talking about what's going to happen. And Peter stands up and makes this big vow. I'm never going to abandon you. I'm never going to desert you. They all might run away, but not me. And then what do we see as Jesus is facing the kangaroo court he's in, being questioned, being beaten. While he's that, Peter's standing so far away, he's denying to people that he even knows who Jesus is. And the, and the third time he does it, a, a little girl comes up and says, hey, aren't you with him? He curses, but he, just, he says, I'll call down curses on myself if that's true. There's no way that I know him. And it says in Luke's account that at that moment he did that, that Jesus' eyes met with Peter. I mean, can, can you imagine the shame Peter felt in that moment. In Matthew's account, he says that Peter left and he wept bitterly. Tears of, of deep regret. And I think most of us in this room, there would be something you'd be able to grab a hold of in your own life that you go, man, I get a piece of that. I, I understand what regret is. Something that you've said that you wish you could take back. Something you've done that you're, man, if, if only I could do that a different way, if I could do that over I mean, think about, about all the things that, that we could regret. It could be an addiction, maybe an abortion, maybe adultery, animosity, assault. That's just the A's. Like, like we, we could go through an entire alphabet of, of the regret that we can carry around with us, those, those choices we've made, those decisions we wish we could reverse. But listen, Easter comes and Easter changes everything. In fact, in the book of John, as John talks about it, it says in John 20, verse 1, 
It says, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. Into this darkness of judgment, Jesus is about to say, I'll take that. I'll take that regret. I'll take that sin. I'll take your hopelessness. I'll take your fear. I've paid the full price for that sin. I will remove your guilt as far away as the east is from the west. That Listen, the darkness of, of our sin does not last forever because on the third day, Christ rose again. And, and in that, he brings victory and new life and new hope and hope for the hopeless. It says that she goes to the tomb and, and the other gospels say that there are other ladies with her. John's focusing in on Mary Magdalene. It says he gets there while it's still dark and saw that the stone had been rolled away. Now immediately the women didn't think he's risen. They're so hopeless. They come to the conclusion in their hopelessness that somebody must have stolen the body. So they run back to the other disciples and it says that the other disciples are, are hiding out and she, they go there to grab them and, and think about it. When life is hopeless, don't we do that? Don't we, don't we hide out so much? Some people hide out by withdrawing from people and from life. Some people hide out with distractions. I just buy more things, have more stuff going on around me. If I just busy myself, if I, if I fill myself with stuff, if I can just numb the pain, if I can avoid the fact that I'm empty. Well, these women, they run to tell these guys who are hiding out, someone stole the body. Verse two, it says this. They ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, that's John who's writing this. And they said to him, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple. They were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And I love that John puts it in there. It's such a guy thing, right? By the way, I beat him there. I just thought for all of eternity now, he's like, I'm faster than Peter, right? Verse five, and, and stopping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place all by itself. What do they see in there? They're assuming the body was stolen. They, they stoop down, they, they look in, they go in. There's not a crime scene in there. It's as though Jesus got up, took off the grave clothes, folded the, the, the cloth that was around his head and folded it neatly in place and left the tomb alive. Verse eight says that John then steps in and, and he sees more clearly. And it says that when he saw, verse eight said he saw and believed. Here's what I, what I love about this. When they get to the tomb, what's it say? It says in verse five that they had to stoop down to look into the tomb. And I, I think there's something purposeful about that. Because here's what I believe. I believe that if Easter is going to change you, if you're gonna fully embrace all that God has done through Christ for you, what we need to do is we need to get very low. We have to be willing to get low, to humble ourselves, to get past our doubts, to move past our fears, to move beyond my regrets, my opinions, my control, to let go of those things we've been clinging to for hope. I mean, think about what you might be holding on to. I mean, what is it that you value? What is it that you put your hope in? What are you really all about? And, and maybe, again, the season's revealed a bit more that those things we hold on to, but we're realizing in this season, man, my money's not gonna be what saves me. 
My health, my beauty, that's not going to help me. My, my success at work or school or in my family, that's not going to provide lasting hope. Another lockdown is not where my hope is found. But listen, if it's not Christ, if, if that's not your future hope, there's very little to stand on when it's your turn to suffer, when you've lost hope. The good news of Jesus Christ is that no matter what comes, he's enough. Why? Because you get a new life of being made right with God. And, and Jesus takes your desperation, takes your hopelessness, and he turns it into life, an eternal life with him. Why? Because he's conquered sin and death. Jesus changes those who surrender, those who step out in faith, those who stoop low in the midst of fear, in the midst of hurt, in the midst of hopelessness, to acknowledge the power of Jesus to heal, to transform, to bring new life. And what happens is it's the stooping low. It's, it's when you recognize there's nothing I can do any longer. I, I've, I've exhausted all my options. I'm sick and tired of trying to do this on my own. I've been failing over and over again. And you recognize the resurrection is real. This is what I need. You see, I love how, how Peter, later on in the book of John, Peter, remember, just full of regret. He's, he's now given up on the whole thing. He's gone back to fishing, which was his job before he started following Jesus. But the resurrected Jesus comes. And he calls out from shore. And it says in, in chapter 21 that, that Peter and John see Jesus on the shore. Jesus calls out. John says, I think that's Jesus. Peter does what? He doesn't stay in his regret. He doesn't stay defined as the guy who, who denied Jesus. No, it says as fast as he can, he put on his outer garment and he threw himself into the sea to get to where Jesus was. And I love the words that John chooses. He, he doesn't kind of climb out of the boat really gently. He doesn't do a nice dive, making sure. No, he throws himself into the sea. There's, there's this act of surrender and desperation in him. He wants to get to be where Jesus is. So he drops everything. He, he drops his nets. He leaves the boat. He leaves his buddies. He leaves his pride. He abandons everything to be with Jesus. The last time we saw him, he was weeping. Then he was looking into the tomb. And now as he comes to meet Jesus, the resurrected Savior, he, he turns into this passionate, courageous leader of the early church, raised again to a new life. Listen, this morning, you and I have the same choice that Peter had. Peter stooped. Peter abandoned. Peter surrendered. Peter pursued Jesus and rested his life on the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Resting in the truth, Jesus, you've taken my sin. You've taken my shame. That, that, that Jesus becomes the victim. He was beaten and bruised, he really died. He was cursed, so you and I didn't need to be. And then, then he didn't stay that way. He was raised in victory so that by the grace of God, his scars become our victory. And as you put your hope in Christ, I love this. You move from being a victim. You move from that story over your life of, of pain and hurt and failure. You now move to a story of victory. But listen, it's a move, though. It's a move from hopelessness. It's a move from fear. It's a move from control. In fact, in the Psalms, it says this. It says that we are to taste and see that the Lord is good. 
And I would say when things are hard, when, when life's a struggle, it's not good enough just to, to know that the Lord is good. You need to know that. But listen, that's the start. That's the beginning. That's not enough. We need to taste that he's good. Not just believe that he's risen, but we taste and see it. The disciples went to see. Easter pushes us beyond just agreeing that it's true, beyond just believing, but, but to truly live a new life, surrendered, tasting his goodness, seeing his goodness, stooping, surrendering, and understanding this. Listen, God can do more through our surrender than he ever could through our control. Following him is not always easy. But listen, he's always good. Jesus suffered on our behalf died in our place. God raised him from the dead. And so we follow and we worship a good heavenly father who, who will never leave you, never forsake you. And so tonight, if, if you're here as someone who, who would say, I know this truth, I know the truth of Easter, but I've lost sight of it. I don't feel like I'm tasting it in this season. But maybe you take time even right now to surrender. To, to stoop down, to, to say, Jesus, I want nothing else but you. Let me see you. Let me taste your goodness again. If, if you have seen and tasted, and you're like, man, I'm living in that joy right now, and, and I would say this, Jesus would be saying to you tonight, continue to pursue, continue to worship, keep on surrendering, take this message of hope and freedom and take it out to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. Because when, when Christ follows, if you're here, man, I just love the Lord, I'm following Jesus. When those who follow Jesus, when you're, when you're stripped of all your stuff that this world has, and, and maybe for you, when I say that in this season, you might be on one side where you say, yeah, I get that, I'm stripped of everything because of, of the illness and the sickness. I know people who have died, I'm fearful of what that means. Or, or maybe you're feeling like you're being stripped of everything because my, my freedoms are being taken and the, and the lockdowns are hurting. Now, I've asked people around me, people who I know and love, and I said, hey, while you're praying for me that I'd have wisdom in how to lead a church during this time, I've been asking for this lately. Would you pray more that I'd have joy? Man, I'm tired. I'm tired like you are. I'm tired of the pandemic. I'm tired of lockdowns. I'm tired of the fighting that goes on within. So I'm praying, God, I need to taste and see again. I need the resurrection of Easter to, to move me again. Because here's what I believe with all my heart, that in the midst of suffering, as the world is watching Christians, as they're watching Christ followers, that, that we wouldn't be known more for complaining and campaigning, but we'd be known more for this, us saying, Christ is good, he's enough, he's my rock, he's my joy, he's my salvation, he's my strength. My hope is in him alone. Is that what we're saying? Is that how we're living? Because the world looks on and sees Christians like that, saying that and says, man, I want what they've got. I want that hope. Listen, if you don't know Jesus today, my prayer is that even now, even now where you're sitting right now, then your heart, you'd begin to respond. Where you'd be able to say, Jesus, I'm broken in my sin. I've, I've got regrets. And I need you. I need you to come alive. I want to see you. I mean, it's that simple. That 
I have got this sin and regret. I know that, I, that I, I can't come alive without you. And you'd say, I want this hope of forgiveness and new life. Listen, as the worst team comes up, as we end off singing about this new life, whatever it is you're facing today, listen, Jesus is the light shining into that darkness. Jesus is the, the beginning and the end. He, he, he has died, but he rose again. And now he's saying to you, here, listening, online, watching, he's saying, come and see. And my hope is this, that, that tonight would not be a night where you would just say, yeah, Jesus is risen, but you'd be able to say, and so am I. I'm risen as well. Would you stand with me as I pray? Lord God, I, I thank you for the truth of Easter. I thank you that we have a hope, a hope that's so beyond the here and now. I thank you that when we, when we recognize who you are and what you've done on our behalf, that even in a pandemic, even in another shutdown, that we can have hope. And so, Father, I pray right now that we would taste and see that you are good. Lord, for those who are struggling with fear, that they would see that their hope, their hope is in you, that you're good, that you're sovereign. Father, for those who are feeling hopeless in the midst of another lockdown, God, that you'd fill them with the joy of their salvation. Lord, for those who would be grasping for control and struggling with that, God, that, that they would see that there's a, a joy and a life that's found as we stoop down, as we humble ourselves, as we release the control into your hands, knowing that you can do so much more with a heart surrendered than a life that's trying to control. I pray that we'd celebrate that now and we go out of here living that. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing.